Hi, and welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast series addressing workplace sexual harassment. Let's talk respect at work. And the use of non-disclosure agreements, or NDAs as we refer to them sometimes, have received some attention in the Respect at Work report. What did the report actually say about NDAs? Yeah, that's right, Ruth. So the Commission acknowledged that the use of NDAs is a challenging issue and there were arguments for and against their use in sexual harassment claims. Ultimately, the report recommended that the Commission, in conjunction with the Workplace Sexual Harassment Council, which was itself a recommendation of the report, um, some people would know it's now known as the Respect at Work Council, um, develops a practice note or guideline that identifies best practice principles for the use of NDAs in sexual harassment matters. Can we just jump back a second and just have a bit of a conversation around why the Commission was concerned about the issue, what the criticism was of how NDAs have been used traditionally? Yeah, sure, Ruth. So the criticism is that they have operated to sort of protect the reputation of the business and often the accused harasser and that by keeping complaints under wraps, they actually contribute to a culture of silence, which was one of the big themes we saw in the Respect to Work report. And you can see that potential benefits associated with transparency around cases of sexual harassment, you know, could well be lost with the sort of traditional um, across-the-board use of NDAs. Of course, on the other hand, and this was recognised by the Respect to Work report, sometimes confidentiality is important to the complainant victim. So it isn't a one-sided issue. And what do you think we might see by way of reform in this space? Um, well, there are several op- different sort of models that you can see being used elsewhere, um, especially in overseas jurisdictions that indicate some potential options for the Respect at Work Council um, to consider. And there are actually some developments in Victoria which are quite interesting to note. So in response to recommendations by the Ministerial Task Force on workplace sexual harassment, the Victorian Victorian government um, has agreed to implement a raft of recommendations, including to reduce, uh, sorry, restrict the use of NDAs. It's up in the air, remains to be seen exactly what shape any laws ultimately in Victoria will take, Um, but it's suggested that guidance can be taken from proposed legislation in jurisdictions like Ireland, as well as other um, countries. Can we just pause on that point and perhaps let's touch briefly on what the Irish Bill says to give listeners a bit of an example of some of the emerging practices from overseas? Yeah, so... um, it absolutely, Ruth. So it proposes to prevent employers from entering into an NDA unless this is the expressed wish and preference of the employee complainant. So query as to how one is satisfied that that is the case. Um, additionally, to be enforceable, there are a number of different uh, factors that would need to be satisfied. So some examples include um, the employer having offered the employee independent written legal advice at the employer's expense, um, that the NDA includes an opportunity for the relevant employee to decide to waive their own confidentiality in the future, um, and that the NDA is of a set and time-limited duration. Interestingly, um, the bill in Ireland is proposed to have retrospective applications. That's a really interesting um, addition there. And if that sort of model was, was adopted here, fair to say it would represent a very significant departure from the way in which claims have been conventionally handled in terms of confidentiality terms. And I'm looking back on 
you know, matters over the years, I think it, it does certainly, it would indicate a real landmark um, shift in terms of how um, they are used. I think we're probably some time away from seeing exactly what shape the changes will take in Australia. So importantly, um, the Respect at Work Council's note or guideline, it's not going to be a legally binding requirement, but it will certainly form part of the picture that, you know, will need to be taken into account when a, when a company is faced with a claim. Um, although in Victoria, we are expecting that the reforms will actually be adopted into legislation. Although again, the government is still considering the issue. So it is a little bit of a wait and see. So it sounds like, you know, to me from some of the points that you're making that there's a bit of ongoing uncertainty in this space. For employers um, thinking about this, you know, on a go forward basis, what do you think they can be doing now um, when thinking about their use of NDAs in these matters? Yeah, well, you and I, Ruth, I know we've talked about this a lot. And I think, unfortunately, where you land is that the issue is very nuanced and there, there is no one-size-fits-all approach. What I would say is that I think it would be sensible if it's not already happening in your organisation to have an open mind about NDAs and, and confidentiality provisions to really unpick what is important and why they're being used. I mean, the extent of the changes that are being introduced into this topic, sexual harassment, which we've sort of talked about in this series, rightly requires companies to kind of look at the issue perhaps more globally. It's not just about protecting the interests of the company. And in the case of NDAs, I think while they should continue to sort of be used and, and you know, considered on a case-by-case basis, when thinking about them in the context of the proposed positive duty, Will it serve the purpose of eliminating sexual harassment or will it contribute to a culture of silence? And there's also, of course, you know, considerations about what elements of a complaint or a settlement will, will be confidential and what elements perhaps won't be confidential. So I think um, organisations should prepare for a more nuanced and sort of case-by-case approach to NDAs and confidentiality provisions. You- I just really wanted to pick up on one of the points you raised there because I think it's it's so interesting, um, you know, this concept of a culture of silence. And I, I think it's important to also be thinking about the use of NDAs in terms of what a company's culture is and, and how transparent an organisation is intending to be on this issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it really, um, it, it, it bears considering you know, beyond the concept of a sort of what are the legal rights and obligations and interests of the parties and and requires organisations to sort of consider it in a, as a bigger picture. You know, for lots of organisations, particularly those with a significant public profile and, you know, for listed companies, there is a wider discussion going on and, and to be had about transparency. And the use of NDAs obviously, you know, really factors into this. The Champions of Change Coalition, for example, have been very active in I'm sharing resources obviously aimed at sort of the executive level and their view is that stakeholders are entitled to know about a claim if it involves senior people, which is, you know, certainly a departure from sort of um, conventional practice. And similarly, um, the AICD has publicly recognised the role that greater transparency can play in addressing the systemic drivers of sexual harassment. So that, you know, goes to what we were talking about earlier around the culture of um, silence. Equally, I think we'll continue to see more pressure 
from a disclosure perspective in terms of how, for example, the ASX corporate governance principles um, might evolve to sort of set best practice for listed companies regarding what sort of disclosure is expected on issues around sexual harassment, discrimination, gender equality and so on. I really agree with that, Ange. I think we're going to see this a lot more. A lot is being spoken about at the moment about the rise of ESG and this issue really squarely sits within the S or the social factor. So I think it's probably fair to say that expectations are only going to increase in this space. Yeah, yeah, no, I would totally agree with that, Bruce. Thanks for listening today. Um, That's all that we have time for. Please tune back in for episode five where we're going to look at some industry cases um, on sexual harassment.